Welcome to the Elevate the Vibe podcast, bringing you juicy combos with thought leaders discussing the wild world of parenting. When you are in a state of gratitude and when you recognize like I have enough right now, then you are in a state of abundance. And when you're in a state of abundance, you see more opportunities. So gratitude is a close second to meditation. Because again, when you're able to be in that state of gratitude, you can be in a space where wherever you are is a gift. That clip was from our guest of the show today, Dawn Allison, founder of The Well-Grounded Spirit. My name is Katie Berlin. I am the host of the Elevate the Vibe podcast. And here with me is my husband and co-host, Jason Berlin. What up, Shug? How you feeling? Ooh, it's been a week. It's babe. been a week. And it is Monday at uh, 9.34 p.m. And it has been a week. It's true. It has been a week. But you know what's cool is that this week our episode is about Dawn and she's all about the power of positivity and positive thought. And she even tosses a little bit of hypnosis in there and how that has to do with kids. So it's a pretty awesome episode this week. I was very excited to interview her and our interview went really well. Dawn drops a lot of knowledge in this interview and what's extremely impressive is that in her practice with her clients, which we'll get into, uh, one of the cornerstones is meditation. And you'll hear us reference this in the episode, but Dawn looks incredible and she attributes this to meditation. And you might be thinking, okay, I don't know about that. I roll. But stress is a leading cause of so many ailments in our lives. And when you meditate and when you meditate consistently, Dawn shares how that helps you to de-stress and you have the tools in your toolbox to be able to manage what comes across your plate during the day. And that allows you to look and feel your best when you're not crazy stressed like I am on Monday night at 9.34 p.m. <laughs> looking like I'm 75 years old already. <laughs> Geriatric, Shug. I don't know. Calm down a little bit right there. I don't think you look 75, honey. I think you're doing just fine. Okay, 74. <laughs> yeah, 73 to <laughs> my, my golden girl over here. Oh, God. Oh, I like, a bad look. I like that. It's a bad look. <laughs> there is another aspect of what Dawn shares in this episode It's part of her morning ritual and it's right at the end of the episode, but it's something that I have started to incorporate since we interviewed her and that was about three months ago. I've been doing it every day and you'll hear it right at the end and I really love this simple gesture. It's a hand gesture and something that you can do just to get your day started off on the right foot. It sends your energy up and out in a positive way. And I've been doing it every day. It's it's just a good reminder for gratitude, for starting your day off in a mindful manner. So a lot of great gems dropped in this episode. Just having some sort of a system in place where you start your day positive, that just sets you up for success. And it's really cool to hear what she has to say about it. All right. So let's get into introducing Dawn to the audience. So Dawn Allison is the founder of The Well-Grounded Spirit, She's a holistic life coach with training across several healing modalities, including neurocognitive bias, the limbic system, traditional Chinese medicine, meditation, hypnosis, Reiki, astrology, and plant medicine. And yes, she really does have training and background in all of those modalities, all of which she does combine in her practice with her clients. 
Her guidance enables her clients to become honest about their stories, beliefs, and values while helping them to realize that all the tools they need are already within themselves. Let's welcome Dawn to the show. Let's get started. Welcome, Dawn. Hi, how are you? Good to see you both. You too, thank you. Yeah. All right, so go ahead and introduce yourself to the Elevate the Vibe audience. Okay, super. Well, first of all, I really, really appreciate both of you, you know, having me on here, you know, just to give me this opportunity to do this. You know, um, I have been, I'm a, I'm a life coach and I have a holistic expertise in improved communications and personal relationships. And I work with a ton of parents. Um, and, you know, I have been in this field of human behavior and holistic mental health for over 15 years. And in doing this, you know, I've studied neurocognitive bias, I've studied the limbic system, um, I've studied traditional Chinese medicine, meditation, uh, Reiki, hypnosis, astrology, loads of things, and combined it all into this practice. And it's been, you know, such an interesting and very fulfilling journey uh, along the way. Yes. So hearing about like all of those different modalities that you have studied is pretty cool because definitely coming from a holistic approach, we know sort of the benefits that each one brings. And when you look at a person holistically and you can sort of take little tidbits from each and then create this amalgamation of information so that you can help and diagnose them, it's that's like such a unique and I mean, holistic perspective. Thank you. You know, what I find is that even though we're all so unique, we do have these sort of, you know, everybody has the foundations of things, you know, like the hierarchy of needs that we all, you know, sort of that that must be addressed. Um, But to have brought these different modalities in and then understand like, oh, actually this kind of really helps with that need. And this can really help with this need. You know, it, it allows me to address these individual qualities and these unique and the imprint that we all have and to do it in a way where it's like, okay, so there are these threads that are, you know, congruent. And then there are also things where it's like, oh, well that helps to know that this person is a fire sign, you know, and to understand that astrological approach, because if you think about Jungian thought and things like that, you know, of course he loved astrology and, so there are elements to bring in that just give people um, a very personalized approach while addressing those hierarchy of needs. So uh, tell us a little bit about your background, uh, where you grew up, how'd you get started, all those fun sort of tidbits about yourself. Yeah, and sort of what led you to where you are today. Well, you know, I have a very interesting past because I was raised by very young parents. My parents were only 16 when they had me. And so it was like being raised by like older brothers and sisters, you know? So it's kind of this thing of like, I learned to read when I was super young. Um, I'm 47. So, you know, um, I was raised at a time where it wasn't like there were cell phones everywhere and there weren't computers everywhere, but I've, you know, seen that transition. But for me, it was like, my family was religious. And so I was raised without a television. Um, I was, you know, I, like I said, I learned to read when I was three, you know, and, and I was a really smart kid. You know, I tested significantly on a lot of aptitude tests and so they were like okay we don't really know what to do with her but here just read whatever you want and you know so in school it's like I had access to all kinds of books that had a lot of 
you know, more complex ideas. And I was able to spend time digesting a lot of that. And so also just being with very young parents and just sort of um, a family where there was a lot of trauma, there was a lot of instability. Um, I kind of learned very quickly, like a lot of things about human behavior and patterning. And I really was a, an observant kid. And so I didn't have TV yelling at me, telling me how to be and how to think. And so I became a real critical thinker. And recognizing these patterns was super, super helpful for me in staying safe and also, you know, now into my work. Okay. Before we jump into your work, you said that you are 47. Like, I literally cannot believe that. <laughs> I am 47, but you know, the thing is I have been a meditator for, oh, it's been over a decade now. And meditation is scientifically proven to slow the aging process because stress is what ages us. Right? Well, I need to get on that. <laughs> I need to get on the meditation like, train. <laughs> oh my gosh. Good thing that we do have video clips for this that we'll show because then people yeah. will have some sort of reference to what I'm saying because, whoa, like, yeah, whatever you're doing, we all need to be doing that. <laughs> Well, thank you. You know, I thought of, I had a friend at one point that was like, Don, you should just be doing some sort of thing that's all around like anti-aging and whatever. I'm like, everything is about meditation. The universe is mental. You're mm -hmm. like, I am. That's literally what I am <laughs> teaching already. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're, see, this is the thing where it's like the work that I do as a coach is beautiful because people can get motivated by whatever it is that they need served. So if you see like, wow, you like look like this and you're this age and you meditate. I'm like, yeah, go meditate. You know? So it's like, whatever it is that I can help leverage to get people to do something that will radically change your life. It'll change everything. Then that's what I want you. That, that's what I want your motivation and takeaway to be. So going back to your path growing up, and then you also mentioned all of the different modalities that you've studied, what sort of led you and drew you into the holistic life coach approach versus so many other paths that you could have taken? Well, you know, I think from being such a curious kid and being a reader, you know, and, and sort of just like recognizing like, whoa, there are all of these different things. I was able to really cover a lot of topics when I was younger. And so I had an idea. I mean, I remember kind of, um, I think I was maybe like eight or nine and being in like my social studies class. And like, I first heard about, you know, like ancient astronauts and I was like, wait, what, you know? And then I have like my family that's very Western minded. That's like, here's very practical things. So I was able to kind of weigh out what seemed to be like, you know, even though I could take these concepts and these concepts, I was like, wait a second, which of these things actually feels like it has a good, um, you know, data set, a good outcome. And so even though I could take a lot of different ideas because of learning how to recognize patterns, I was like, well, okay, I could take this systematic approach of, you know, this typical Western approach to things, or I could think about something that for some people might be as out there as like ancient astronaut, you know, or ancient, you know, I was able to take these concepts and sort of say, actually, these aspects work of Eastern thought for this. Okay, this works from like, um, you know, energetic medicine, like Reiki. I was able to like pull these different pieces and like, and recognize how they could be made into, you know, a system where there's a lot of strengths. Um, because the holistic approach really is not just like, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm Western and, you know, it's like we approach it this way. We medicate you, you know, because it's one of the things that we do 
you know, it's not about routing people into one slot. And I, that's, I never believed that, you know, it's a one size fits all. Um, so just, it's, it's part of the thinking that I had. And again, um, you know, I think it has a lot to do with like recognizing patterns and realizing like everybody has a different system. So how could it be like just this one way? Does that make sense? Oh yeah. Yeah. And then from when you were younger, did you ever want to travel down different paths or what brought you here? Was it like, this is really what I'm called to do? And you started doing it from a, like a young age? You know, I've always been fascinated by the unseen. I've always been fascinated by, um, you know, things around like uh, mysticism. I've always been fascinated by, again, like when I heard about things like ancient astronauts, when I saw the Nazca lines for the first time and I looked at that, I was like, something else is going on. You know, when I saw the pyramids for the first time and I saw Machu Picchu. So I was like, what's going on that we can't see? or the civilization that we don't see anymore. And so I started on that path of like, because I'm the person who I see the things that other people don't see. I notice those things I notice. So I'm like, there's something else going on that we're not seeing. And so I became really fascinated with actually the subconscious and the limbic system, um, which is, you know, driving everything. And so for me, I'm like, I like to really narrow in on uh, the root of things, you know, because it's like you can focus on a million subtopics and you could focus on like, oh, you could do this or this or this or this. It's like, okay, but what's driving things? So to me, I wanted to learn as much as I could about where our programming comes from and how we can optimize that. Speaking of the subconscious, the other day we were on a walk and we had our little one with us who is just now two. And there were uh, an elderly couple that were on their bikes and I guess they did not see a car coming and we live very close to PCH. And luckily the car slowed down and did not hit them, but the two of them cut across uh, traffic and didn't see the car. And we almost saw these two people get, get killed. Um, luckily the car, you know, slammed on its brakes. It didn't happen. And all I could think about was, even though our son is two years old and he wouldn't necessarily understand what was happening, that whole process and image would have been sort of stuck in his psyche and his subconscious. Absolutely. And you, and you're speaking to, you know, two different things, which one is how our awareness affects everyone because their lack of awareness is what could have created not only obviously endangerment to themselves, the driver, you as parents, your child, you know, so you're talking about look at what a lack of awareness can do, right? So, and also it's like, how as a parent do you begin to address that? And then this is, you know, kind of maybe I don't want to jump too far ahead, but it's, it's one of the things that I look at when I am coaching parents to understand that the work is all with you, you know, it's how am I equipped, you know, how am I equipped to handle this in my life? Because obviously I'm going to have to be the the role model, you know, for my child. So it really goes into like, am I doing my work? You know, it's, it's all about because coaching parents is not about like my child's behavior. It's like, Oh, it's you, you know, is 
you are the ones that are in charge. You are the ones that are, you know, there to be absolute support, you know, and, and all of those things. We talk about this on almost every episode where it's like, it is such a reflection of ourselves. It, it's like 100% a mirror. So it's yes. like if, if they're responding in a way that we're like, okay, you know, that's not ideal. It's because of a behavior that we have. It has not, it's like 100% ourselves. And it's a beautiful way to learn how to release judgment, even though it's a very challenging way, mm-hmm. but it's a beautiful way to learn how to re- release judgment because it's like, where did your child's programming come from? Okay. Obviously, you know, your your you know, your kid's not going to be in a bubble forever, but initially there's a lot of, you know, where you can really edit the information that is being received and trusted. And so that's on, that's on parents. You know, and it's on the, you know, who is around parenting and adding wisdom and input to those little mirror neurons, because that is, you know, you have that super absorbent stage and it's really important to recognize like, oh, I put that there. (laughs) That's me. Maybe I shouldn't judge that part of myself and I should learn how to like love that part of myself because look, now it's become human. Here it is looking directly back at me in human form. Well put. <laughs> but, yeah. 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 All right. So, but I, w- I do want to get into the practice that you offer and can you share a little bit more about your practice, your offerings and what that looks like for someone? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, look, my coaching is based on helping people understand their values, right? Because if you understand what you value, then you're going to live a very happy life if you're living according to those values. So I start with a value system. You know, before someone comes to see me, I give them a little pre-work. And the first part of that work is, you know, list five to seven of your values, right? And so for some people, it's really incredible because they're like, well, what does that look like? I'm like, that's what I want you to find out. <laughs> so you do your own a little bit of investigative research and you find that out. And then the second part of that is listing out goals. You know, it's what are the goals that you have for the next month, three months, six months, and a year. And that does not matter what else is going on in the world. It's really, you should always have some kind of goals, period. And then the other piece is what are the things that are getting in your way? Like being honest about your stories, your stagnation, your limited beliefs, you know, really being honest because one of the things that I create for people is safe spaces. And there's no judgment. So it's like, let's bring it all. Let's see it all. And in those sessions, you know, I do offer things like um, I teach all of my clients how to meditate. So, you know, got to be open to that. Um, I teach all of my clients how to have a gratitude practice. But then I do offer things like hypnosis. I also, um, you know, talk to people about different types of things around Um, when they, when, and if they are ready, if they are interested around like plant medicine and microdosing, um, this has definitely come up for a lot of people. It's been a hot topic, um, in, in, you know, in, in many, many, many podcast, um, topics and, um, books and whatnot. So, you know, I just, as people ask, I bring that. Um, and so those are just, uh, you know, a few of the things that I offer and it's discussion based, you know, so when you come to see me, Um, whether you're in person or remotely, um, it's a discussion, but we start with your values because that's everything, you know, if you aren't living according to your plan, you're living according to someone else's and it might not make you happy. So I'd love for you to talk 
about expectations around even like the hypnosis, the meditation part. And then I do want to talk a little bit about the plant medicine piece too. I'm reading a book right now. I think it's called How to Change Your Mind by Michael Pollan. Pollan. Yes. Okay. You're nodding your head. So you're familiar. Uh, Yeah. So I want to talk about the hypnosis piece first and the power of that. Okay, great. So a lot of people, when they hear hypnosis, one of the first things that they're sort of, if they're, if they're a little hesitant, you know, they're like, okay, what are you going to put into my mind? Like, actually, it's not like that. What we're going to do is we, hypnosis allows you to sort of unblock what's already there. So I'm not a hypnotherapist. I help people with lifestyle change. So I don't go back and uncover old traumas or anything like that. What I do is I help you unblock what's already innately within you because we already have all that we need within us. You know, this is why meditation and hypnosis can be somewhat similar, you know, but with hypnosis, it's, it's, a, it's in some ways like, you know, when you're getting a massage and you're there and you're like, you don't have to do anything, just enjoy it, receive it, you know, and hypnosis is very similar where it's like, you know, I have somebody, you know, you're laying down and it's, I'm just, you know, I'm basically like reading a script that it's, designed to help you relax, but it's also designed, it has, um, it uses this language, um, neuro-linguistic programming. It's a, it's a type of NLP is a type of language where it's like, it triggers your subconscious to pay attention. And so in using sort of these emphasized words and very descriptive language, your subconscious, as your conscious mind is drifting off and, you know, sort of like going off guard, you're shifting into a different um, set of like brain waves and you become much more receptive and that's the part of your brain that you know I want to be able to um, motivate let's say because again you already know how to be all of these things but stress and outside external bias starts to bias you you know make you biased against yourself so you have all of this potential and with hypnosis all I do is I sort of talk to your subconscious and I'm like hey don't forget you can do this you know and for some people they're kind of like okay, but does that mean like this thing's going to be my brain? No, it's already there, you know? So with that, you know, it is similar in some ways to meditation because when you are beginning to meditate, you know, oh, you know, what's the number one thing people say to me? I'm so bad at it. I'm like, that's why it's called a practice, right? You know, it's like, if I want to, I don't know, like do a slack line or something, you know what I'm talking about? Where you like, walk, it's like, I'm going to suck at it. At first, all you're going to do is fall off. And that's exactly like meditation. All you're going to do is fall off, right? When you see people with that, oh, you know, in this like whatever, I'm like, yeah, that is not what meditation looks like. Not, not for the first three, four, five months maybe, you know, because it's just the, you know, in some ways it's really being able to just understand that it is about the process, not the outcome, you know? And we live in a society that's so focused on, outcome, 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 outcome. And the issue with that is, you know, there's no real linear time. All there is is now. So now is the outcome and now is the process. And so in meditation, it's all about every time you sit, every time you sit, every time you sit, every time you sit. And I can tell you initially, uh, yeah, it's not all Zen and bliss and white light, you know, as you would know, if you're meditating, then at first, right? (laughs) It's, It's, why it's called a practice. Do you have any like practical tips for the audience that if they're new to it and they've never experienced it, that could help them sort of 
at least sit down to do it daily. Yeah, look, I tell my clients, well, we can go back to the earlier, hey, I'm 47. Look, stress makes you age. Stress makes you, you know, it dims your innate superpowers, right? So meditators can do all sorts of things that other people can't. And in very extreme cases, you know, I could point to something like, you know, you've seen the monks who literally can sit and, you know, set themselves on fire, right? Now, I'm not in any way suggesting that, but my point is your world can be literally and you on fire and you can sit there and meditate. So if you need any type of motivation, understand that what you can achieve with meditation is so far beyond anything that you could possibly be achieving right now as a non-meditator. You want to slow down your aging process? You want to be the smartest person in the room? You want to be the most zen person in the room? You want to be able to like literally like look at people and in, you know, 10 seconds, read them. You want to be able to like be the most creative person in the room? Meditate. Because when you go inwards and you begin to go into that fourth state of consciousness, when you go into the quantum field, everything is there. All your problems are solved. All your answers are there. Everything is there, you know, and I'm new at it, so to speak, you know, and with that, you just have to take that um, sort of that leap. And this is about creating that sense of trust and just having faith where it's like, you know what, let me try something new. So put on your, you know, like explorer hat. And, 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 and that's why they say a childlike mind because kids are like, okay, you know, and they just like go and they go for it, you know? So it's the same with meditation. It's like, be humble enough to surrender that mind of like, well, what about this? Well, I'm like this. Well, it's like, that's what we want to just surrender into that space. And so even look, even I tell people, I'm like, all you need to do, just sit down for 20 minutes, set a timer, sit down for 20 minutes. You know, you could, I, I don't encourage people to listen to a guided meditation because to me, um, even, you know, as I was taught and, and I started meditating because mm, about 12 or 15 years ago, I was at a symposium at Atlanta, uh, in Atlanta at Emory University with the Dalai Lama and a bunch of neuroscientists. So He's the expert, and he also had a bunch of scientists there um, explaining the scientific, you know, basis for meditation. You know, he's like, here's the facts, right? Here they were. So I was like, okay, obviously I need to do this. And, you know, kind of in that, they talk about really um, not listening to a guided meditation. They talk about, you know, um, a lot of them like work with a mantra, you know, OM or something like that. Um, you don't have to use that, but, you know, I tell my clients, it's really best for you to, you know, turn everything off and go inward and you can focus on your breath, you know, but you have to know, like, it's not easy. Otherwise we'd all do it. So there's a certain amount of surrendering to that process, you know, like I'm not here, like holding the spoon, you, you know, it's like, you have to hold the spoon. Um, so it's like, you can't just always have someone like guiding you into the Zen space. It's like, it, it doesn't work that way. You know, yeah, so I was, to I was going to ask your thoughts on different apps, um, you know, that are out there, but yeah, it sounds like you're sort of like, okay, if you're really going to participate, just sit down and do it yourself. Yeah. And look, 
I, I think people love Headspace, they love Calm, they love a bunch of different ones, but it's training you to rely on something else. And, you know, at the end of the day, a meditation is literally about disconnecting from everything else. Because how can you ever learn to hear your own voice if you're too busy being guided by someone else? And it creates, an, it creates this beautiful independence um, that, you know, many of us are lacking. And thinking about like from a perspective as a parent also, so right now, I mean, as I just mentioned, our our son, he just turned two, so he's pretty young, but I'll typically try to meditate when he's napping. But then I think about being the example and I think like, well, would it make more sense if I did it in front of him, if he saw, or if I explained like, okay, we're going to have, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to be quiet and I'm just... Meditating with a two-year-old. This or is just... a great idea. <laughs> this is going to go swimmingly. Hey, sit still for 20 minutes. Not that he has to, but no. then I would, I would kind of be one eye open, like, you know, having to watch him. But uh, just thinking about creating that visual for him at like at some point we sit down and we do this and we pay attention to our breath and we just relax and it doesn't have to be 20 minutes yeah. I can do that on my own when he is napping <laughs> yeah. but just Maybe showing like five seconds by example 10 seconds yeah one minute one minute one minute absolutely because look train early yeah if we could turn it into a game or something he'd probably be into it well yeah. it's like so many elementary schools that begin to bring it in no. Oh, yeah. And it's a game changer. I mean, I'm pretty sure it was somewhere in Oakland where there was a school that was having major behavioral issues with their students and meditation was introduced and it made a radical difference in behavioral issues, um, also test scores, attendance, all of the things. So, yeah, it's like, why is this not in schools? You know, so as a parent, you can do that. Look, your two-year-old is not going to sit still for a minute. So just to say, hey, let's let's do this. And like, you know, just to introduce it, you know, you're just introducing something. And then, yes, then you're going to have to tag team and one of you will be off meditating and the other will be like, hey, mommy's meditating, you know. Um, and just to, it's all about introducing concepts, right? So it's like if you're introducing food, you're not introducing like, you know, um, huge meals at once it's like here here's soft food and here's adult food you know here's adult utensils you know it's like you introduce these soft concepts and again in a very 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 absorbent mind this is so key because what you want your child to be ahead in life of course you want them to be a meditator if he you know starts when he's five like by the time he's 50 he's gonna look like he's 25 Right. He'll be, he'll be lighting stuff on fire yeah. for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and also I want to talk about the gratitude part as one of your cornerstones also. So gratitude has nearly as much science behind it as meditation and gratitude is a, it's a cognitive shaper, you know, so it is shaping your bias. You know, our bias is always being shaped by something. So when you are in a state of gratitude and when you recognize like I have enough right now, then you are in a state of abundance. And when you're in a state of abundance, you see more opportunities. People who are like, Oh, I want that. Or I don't have enough or all of those imagined scenarios are going to miss opportunities because they don't see that there is enough. And then that leads to these behaviors of like, well, this is mine and I'm going to protect it. You know, it leads to all of those types of things. 
So gratitude is, you know, it's a, it's a close second to meditation. Because again, when you're able to be in that state of gratitude, you can be in a space where you are, wherever you are is a gift. And people that have that mentality, you sort of see, like they just radiate a certain energy that draws you in and you want to be around them. Like you want to be a part of whatever they have going on. Right. Because it's an openness. Gratitude, open. When you have lack or, you know, that it's closed, right? Because we're talking about love versus fear. And, and those are the things that meditation, gratitude, those are free. What I love about this is that you already spoke on it, but all of this is within you innately, but it's also you sharing with people like you have these tools at your fingertips already. Like anyone, like we're just saying, almost like a five-year-old can begin this practice. Absolutely. Anyone can do this. Absolutely. Absolutely. A five-year-old can meditate. A five-year-old can be grateful. You know, it's like as soon as your children can talk, they sh- I mean, you know, it, it, it will be most beneficial for them to learn to say, please, thank you. You're welcome. You know, those things will, it will be a game changer for them in their lives. Yeah, it's like such a, but it's such a powerful piece that they're really tools that we already have. It's like nothing crazy fancy that we need to implement. It's at our fingertips. Again, that's where awareness, right? So awareness is I already have enough. I already have. It's already here. So there's no, well, how do I find it? Oh, I don't have it. You know, there's no excuse, right? And there's no feeling unempowered because my work is all about empowering people. So what? You can meditate right now. You can meditate and it's already there for you. You don't have to read a book on it. You don't have to take a class on it. You don't have anything on it. You know, people are like, oh, well, is there a book that I can read a meditation? I'm like, no, don't read any more books. Meditate. Just do. Just Mm do. (laughs) Just do. And, you know, I'm an activator, so I'm a catalyst. And it's like, you already have what you need. Do it. Like, don't take in any more information. Do it, right? So there's a certain amount of do that has to come with the information. So it's like, okay, I show you how to meditate. I can teach you how to meditate in 10 minutes. Now, with the, you know, kind of deeper understanding, that comes with the practice, right? And, and in doing that practice, then when my clients come back, we can integrate what they've learned, and then I can help fine-tune and fine-tune and fine-tune. So again, even for those tips on beginning meditation, look, not every single person is going to sit down and meditate. So if you, you know, want to use the apps, great, but don't read a book on it. You don't need to watch anyone meditate. Everybody knows what meditation looks like. And it's so timely right now with the climate of what our world is experiencing when you're faced with a situation where you feel out of control and you really have to tap into tools that you already have at your disposal versus maybe some of the outside distractions that you're used to relying on. So it's like, okay, well, if you no longer can rely on those distractions, what are you going to do to make it through? And then when you use those tools, what does that break down and show you about what's really valuable to you in your life? And what 
do you want to accomplish? What's serving you? What's not serving you? Where do you want to go? Is this working? Absolutely. Absolutely. Look, meditation is always relevant. Meditation is always relevant. So now more than ever, yes, absolutely. But it's always relevant. It's always, and it, and it does. The awareness helps you understand what is relevant. And again, this is about like, what, what do you really value? You know, and with meditation, it also allows you to see clearly because the only thing that you can control is your perception, right? You're going to react to things or you're going to already know how you feel. And when you already know you, it doesn't really matter what's going on. Let's go back to the monk that is on fire. Okay. It's like that monk has peace no matter what. And I know that's a very extreme example, but you know, there are monks that don't eat you know, they sit and they don't, you know, there's amazing videos on this where, um, you know, I could share those links later, but it's like, you know, we have all these perceptions about what is until we go in. And once you are knowing of what is there internally, you can't really form very clear perceptions of the world because look, the world is always changing. And that's everybody else is, is forcing a perception. It is, is beaming their sort of like, perception of things on you because it's like, well, you know, it's like this, it's like this, it's like this. Well, right now it's, it's, it's all that is. That's, that's all that is. What one day it was like, Oh, the world of sign. And then like four days later, it's like, Oh, look, it's a panic. It's like, okay. But if you're a meditator, you're actually able to say, well, here's what's going on with me. And you can gut check. Now I want to talk about the plant medicine piece too, because there's, a lot of people that maybe have an idea of what it is or don't have an idea of what it is. Uh, there's people like me who are super fascinated by it, but afraid of it at the same time. So I, I'd love to dive into that as well. Well, you were re reading Michael Pollan's book, so he, he's going to get right into that if he hasn't already, depending where you are in the book. So it, that's definitely going to guide you along and really great, grateful for him for, you know, getting that book out there and for people like Tim Ferriss promoting it and all the people, you know, there's so many people that are, you know, having just holding space for these discussions. And, and again, just to be clear, you know, I'm not a person who it's like, Hey, you know, plants are the answer, even though I will say who's having the best time right now, nature, you know? So I will say right. there's a lot of, right. There's a lot of wisdom in nature's way. And it's been trying to get our attention for a long time. And thank goodness the plants are coming through. And we're, we're talking about plant medicine. We're talking about, um, you know, ethnogens, which are kind of known, we call them like teacher plants. And they can teach you a lot about yourself and help you get back to a more natural way. Um, because, you know, we've become in a lot of ways uh, very disseparate from our, our natural self. And we've become, you know, in some ways, again, it's, it's, it's like, you know, we're sort of, um, a, there's a disconnect, right? So as these plants are coming and, you know, nothing is random, then here they are trying to help us kind of find out more about who we really are and, and go within. And so when you, you're talking about things like, um, you know, mushrooms or ayahuasca or, you know, um, there's peyote, you know, there's different plants like that, like with the whole decriminalized movement, you know, you'll see like in Oakland, like all of the teacher plants have been decriminalized. So there's sort of a group of them there that kind of come together and 
you know, depending on how someone may guide you through that, if it's a shaman, if it's someone who is, um, you know, uh, there's like MAPS, which is the, um, the group that's been working in Oakland, right, for years, helping people through um, approved guided sessions that are significantly healing for um, people with PTSD. Uh, for, you know, people who are dealing with different stages of, of cancer, you know, helping them move through and really embrace, you know, transitioning um, towards a different state, you know, and, and towards death. It's powerful. And it's also gives us with things like microdosing, where you're taking a micro, 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 a non-psychedelic amount. It's, I mean, the studies are there. And, and something like Compass Pathways, which is you know, studying how to create, um, synthesize, uh, you know, psilocybin and the compounds in that, but to take a micro dose, to have a micro dose of something, of this tiny packet of information, you know, that has a huge success rate with people who have anxiety and depression, and you do not stay on a plant or a microdose. You take a course of it and you stop. Because again, with all things in the natural world, our body is made to stay in homeostasis, okay? So your body is super smart. And to literally hand over that ability to, you know, a, a, a substance, a drug, a medication is not in natural alignment. You know, our body knows how to heal all things. And so that's why, you know, to me, it's helpful to assess how plant medicine can help. Um, it's, and that's again, why you get things like all roads lead to meditation. Meditation is so helpful because it allows you to listen to your, you know, internal knowing and say, Hmm, okay, what really makes sense? You know, does it make sense for me to like have to be medicated for the rest of my life, you know, or, you know, do I have this opportunity to actually like, you know, put a cast on or put, you know, the bandage on and heal and then it's gone, you know? You don't leave that on forever. So to say you have to be like this forever, we, you know, you're stuck in this system of medication. It's like, where did that come from? You know, and, and, you know, it's helpful to ask questions around that. You know, again, that's why critical thinking is important, but with something like, you know, plant medicine, you, that's not, you know, somebody may um, have a, an, a, an opportunity to have an experience with ayahuasca and they never do it again. You know, they may learn all they need to learn. So this isn't like, take it every day, you know? I mean, you don't even need to eat every day, you know? Fasting is, is really helpful for you. So this idea of being locked into something, you know, that is where I ask people to like, you know, really take a step back and, you know, ask some questions about that. Even with plant medicine, if you think about it from like a 30,000 foot view, when you think about marijuana and where that is today right now and there was so much thought that this drug is you know very harmful and there are people that are incarcerated for life because they've had possession or were selling it and now there are so many people that are receiving the benefits of it for health reasons that maybe never would have thought 20 years ago that they would be a person that benefits from it and their mind changes because there's studies that come out and I know we've referenced the book now a couple times, but the book that I'm reading that we've referenced, How to Change Your Mind by the author Michael Pollan, and we'll, I can link that in the show notes. There, What he discusses, and I guess I'm not that far along, so there's mm -hmm. more that I need to uncover. I'm, I'm listening to the audiobook, but uh, 
I'm about four hours in. I'm not exactly sure what chapter that is. <laughs> Maybe about halfway like through. Two days worth. No. I think it's like 11 <laughs> hours total. So uh, what a lot of the research that was initially done against this diff- these different types of plant medicines, and specifically in the book, they're talking about mushrooms and psilocybin. And a lot of that work was done like in the 50s where there was so much research against can this be used to help people heal mental illnesses like you're saying with cancer becoming okay with the fact that that they may pass and easing that anxiety and what I found very interesting from the information so far that I've learned is that in sort of the synopsis that he provides up front he says from a lot of his research, so many of us have this thought process that it's like a young person club drug situation. But he said that that's when sort of, if the environment is not controlled, that's when negative outcomes can take place because you're, you're just like, whoa, what's happening? It's an, you know, not a controlled environment. And that they're finding that in these controlled environments where there's like a safety factor, people who are midlife or older that experience it have such profound breakthroughs. So it's not necessarily something that young people should be doing recreationally for fun. It's really a healing opportunity for people that have experienced quite a bit of life. And then they get to this point where they somehow incorporate it. And like you said, maybe it's a one-time situation, but the benefits that they receive are so profound that they have this whole new outlook on life and find so much peace with either past situations, really traumatic events, like people's children passing away and, um, or being diagnosed and only having a certain period of time to live. And and they did not expect that. It's like the, the peace that comes from that. Absolutely. Look, and what you're saying is it's, the environment is so critical. It's like, you know, if you, if you're, if your child is learning in an environment where, you know, if you sent them to a school and there's just absolute chaos in the classroom, how well will they learn? There's a reason that classrooms are orderly. There's a reason classrooms are the way they are because it provides a, a an, it's like a optimized experience for learning. It's the same with, with the plants. There's an optimized situation for it. And again, just because if, you know, like if you go, if there's a classroom that your kid is in and it's like, oh, they're not learning well in this type of classroom, it's like maybe they learn better in a different environment. It doesn't mean they stop learning. It's like, well, let's just like, yeah, let's just not have you go to school. Let's just stop that. And again, it is the same with the plants. It's like, yeah, if you go to a club or a festival or whatever, there might be a lot of information around you that keeps you from learning, you know, the way that you could. So it's all about that environment because it's, that's so important. And it doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. It just means consider your environment around you. And so, you know, to think about that, it's like, yeah, you have an opportunity to learn a lot. And, and it's, and, you know, just as like I say, using that example of the classroom, like learning is for everyone at every age and the plants are for everyone at every age. Think about your environment, you know, and again, think about it. You know, I'm not here to tell people like do this, but again, it's like, don't we all love learning? 
Yeah, at least being open, like you said, just being being open to receiving and different ideas. There's not one right way to do anything in this world. <laughs> there's, no, there's not, but the importance is, you know, the openness of it because, you know, I, I believe that our, our a big purpose for us here is to evolve, you know, and evolution, it's not like, we'll stay exactly the same. That's not the way of nature. You know, the way of nature is always to grow. And so in following the guidance of that, our, our, you know, our purpose is to grow. And so how can we grow if we stay so close and stuck? You know, our petals will never unfold. Ooh, mm. yes. Well said. Love it. Yeah. So I want to ask you also with all of the work that you've done and sort of the insights that you've gleaned from helping so many people over the years, including parents or just people that are in relationships like you know, partners or, I mean, family members, I mean, literally probably everyone in this world is in a relationship, <laughs> some, some sort of relationship. Um, even if it's just saying hi to the mailman every day, that is a relationship. What are some of your like major golden nuggets that you would want to leave with the audience? Well, and, and thank you for setting it up in that way, because the one relationship that really truly gets overlooked is the relationship we have with ourselves it's because we're very focused on the external. And the thing that drives everything is the relationship or lack thereof with you. And so the one thing that I would really leave you with is what's your relationship like with yourself? Have you given yourself a phone call? Have you sent yourself an email lately? Like, have you checked in? You know, and going back to this idea that all roads lead to meditation, the one thing that I would really leave people with is How's your relationship with yourself? What's that really look like and how is that? And what can you do to improve that? Because in taking some kind of responsibility for the state of things in the world, take responsibility for you, take responsibility for your sense of awareness, arcing back to the story about, you know, that you shared with the two that almost, you know, were hit on their bikes. Awareness is key, you know? So check in with yourself. How aware are you? You know, what's your state of gratitude? What's your state of internal knowing? Um, because with that, you will be the most empowered that you can be. And in being that, you are already doing such a huge service for the world. Are there any resources that you would like to leave the audience with? Well, um, you know, I, I, I'm not the person who's like, hey, go read this book or do this thing because I'm always like, you've already taken it enough, just do, you know? Um, so we all know that I want you to go meditate. Um, a journal that I really do like for gratitude is called the five minute journal. That journal is actually super helpful. Um, I'm not a huge journaler, but I tell people it's the journal for people who don't love journaling and the five minute journal will actually, and, and it's been um, created in a way where you can easily do your gratitudes and also visualize your day. And then there's a follow-up at night um, because what we do before we sleep is also really important. So I do find like the five minute journal. It's really amazing. It's a really helpful tool. Um, and it's not just like, I got a book. It's like, yeah, you have to do something with it. <laughs> right. Yeah. It looks great on the shelf over there sitting on my desk, but like, <laughs> no, yeah, no, there's, there's like a, a habitual routine that you can build around it. Exactly. And it's lovely as well. You know, I tell people like, get the, don't get the app, get the actual book because it's, you know, the texture on it's great. So you'll love, you'll love that, you know, tactile relationship that you form with it. 
And then before we go, I'd love to hear what your meditation practice looks like and sort of how you set your day up, like your morning routine, your meditation practice, your evening routine, and and how you build that for yourself. Sure. And, you know, again, I have one that, you know, you can really do anywhere. Um, so I really feel like I'm a very you know, just um, self-contained person in so many ways. So it's like when people are like, oh, but I travel or this or that because a lot of my clients do. I'm like, oh, you can do this anywhere. So, you know, and when I get up in the morning, one of the first things, like first, I don't snooze, okay? So if there was a way to like get rid of snooze on phones, maybe there is, I would delete that immediately. Um, so um, I get up, I don't snooze. I know what time I want to get up. I get up then, you know, so, and then when I get up, I love to do this thing where as soon as I stand up, I like to put my hands up in the air and it's like a, yeah, you know, like instant celebration because that literally gets your energy going up. And then, you know, the cat and I would do some, you know, would do a little bit of stretching and then, you know, I write in my gratitude journal because there it is. It's right there by the bed. So it's like, I get up. I actually, and it's on the ledge, so it's like I get up and I write in it, you know, and it and allows me to just start visualizing my day. And when I'm actually at home and I'm by the window and I'm already kind of looking and thinking, you know, about like I'm activating. And then um, I like to drink a little bit of, you know, I drink some water in the morning and get hydrated. And then I do a little bit of exercise um, and not much. I mean, literally maybe like 15 minutes just to get myself kind of waken to wake up. And then I do my meditation. Because for a lot of people, look, if you get straight up and you try to do a meditation, you will, you will probably fall asleep. So I get up, I get my energy going, and then I will do my meditation. And then I'll go and, you know, I'll have a little bit of food or something like that before I really start then getting into what everybody else needs. Because what you do for you at the beginning of the day, it's what I call the oxygen mask principle, Right. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Yes, of course. Yes. So you put it on yourself first. Look, you can do all of that in less than an hour. Okay. It's maybe, maybe a little, maybe it's an hour. And, you know, with the food piece that maybe that's taking a little bit longer, but for parents, you can, you know, this is, you got to tag team and help one another. So, you know, and then at night, it's something very similar where it's like everything gets turned off. You know, um, I may do some reading, but it's, you know, I'm sort of reflecting on my day. I'm, I'm decompressing. And I also have the five minute journal and it has a night it, a, like before you go to bed piece, because whatever you do before you sleep carries right over into your dreams, into your subconscious, you know, and then you're going into that space. So, you know, you're, you definitely want to sort of give yourself that wind down energy before you're sleeping. And, you know, and the whole day, it, it has a completely different flow. What I love most about that idea of like the entire process of, you know, your oxygen mask on first and how you set your day up is that you did not check your phone. Checking your phone, checking your emails, looking at social was not any part of that. <laughs> like, yeah. I create my day. Instagram doesn't pay me to, you know, like for the, you know, by and large, it's like that it's not giving me my peace. It's not giving me my gratitude. I do that. Take responsibility, take a certain amount of responsibility. And then you don't have to ask like, how's this all going to work? You already know how it's going to work. You want to be in control. You want to be empowered. 
get your day right set it right from the beginning you know that's yours i'm definitely gonna wake up every day now hands up because you know i've always kind of felt like that i'm like man i made it another day this is great you know this is something that any parent can teach their kids yeah you know what we're excited about today you know it's also i'm number one right yeah. so yeah you know yeah, for for the visual for the audience it's your pointer finger up in the air like like you're you know at a sports game and you're like woo, number one yeah. Yeah, yeah trust me there are mornings when it's not i'm like oh all right you know, yeah. and it's the doing, you know, and then you're like, all right, okay, we're doing this, you know, and other days it's like, woohoo, my energy's going through the roof. It's awesome. There's a, um, there's also one that I do once in a while. And I got this from Louise Hay, who is an amazing author and just person that I respect highly. She's no longer with us, but I, I've learned so much from her. She has a practice where you sort of open up your arms, like you're going to, like somebody's running to you, like you're going to give them a big hug and you open up your arms and you say, I'm open and receptive to all good. And it's that act of like mm -hmm. opening Love. up. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Love. Look, where we are with our body tells our subconscious so much. So those practices are super important. But I love, you know, the number one fingers in the air and like excitement. We made it another day. Very relevant right now too. Yeah. You know, it's like the why, yay, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. That's yeah. awesome. All right. Well, Dawn, thank you so much for taking time to connect with us today. We really appreciate it. All the wisdom that you shared was awesome. Spot and where, where can we find you on Instagram, uh, even though you don't check it in the morning, and Facebook, even though no one looks at that anymore, and Twitter, TikTok, uh, wherever? So all the places would be The Well-Grounded Spirit, and that's my, that's my website, that's my Gmail, that's my IG, that's all the things. So The Well-Grounded Spirit. And, um, yeah, I'll, I'll be, I'll be waving at you and saying hello and, you know, so feel free to check in there and give me a little hello. So give me a yay. <laughs> yes. There you go. Yeah. I think there's an emoji for that, right? Maybe like a little. Can we make one? Me going, hey, hey. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, thanks for joining us. Thanks for helping us to elevate the vibe. Of course. Thank you both. Really appreciate you and all you're doing. And yeah, so grateful to share the space with you today. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks. Woo. All right. Bye. <laughs>Hey there, Vibe Hive babes. If this podcast has brought you any value, please rate and review on your favorite listening platform. And if you're feeling really generous, share with a friend. Visit us at elevatethevibe.co for show notes on this episode and previous episodes. This podcast is intended to educate, entertain, and inspire. It is not intended to diagnose, treat, or substitute for professional medical advice. Please consult your healthcare provider with any questions you may have. And as always, thank you for joining us to Elevate the Vibe.